Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. And happy Thanksgiving. Has anybody got a turkey in the oven currently? Tomorrow, me too. We, uh, two of our daughters are pastors, so um, two different churches, and then I'm here today, so I'm like, yeah, we're doing this on on Monday, so that, you know, but I'm, I'm pretty organized, it's all good, but it's an honor to be here. We love you, we love your pastors, we love what God is doing here at Life Church. I also have uniquely a very close connection to River Valley, so it feels like a A unique story, and uh, one of my truly best friends in the whole world. I don't know what I would have done without her in recent years, Um, but she's been in my life for 30 years now, almost 30 years, and she was the missions pastor at River Valley Church for the last number of years, just retired. She's a little older than me. She's as old as John. Maybe a lot older than me, but anyhow, she just retired, and she actually turned 70 tomorrow, and, um, but she has been very involved in missions, so she, uh, yes, has been in Israel and understands the story quite well, so it's just kind of a full circle moment being here this morning with all of you, and, and we love River Valley, the Ketterlings, and the River Valley team, and uh, we have been there several times, had the privilege of preaching there, and feel very connected to that family, so it's pretty special. So today, as you can see, it's up there already, gratitude and generosity. As I was thinking about what to speak about today, I couldn't help but think of it's Thanksgiving, which is all about gratitude. And let me just share with you, uh, my American friends always say, why do you have your Thanksgiving in October and we have ours in in November? I said, because we do not want to be that close to Christmas. Who wants to see turkeys and Christmas trees at the very same time in the mall or pumpkins? and Christmas trees. It just is wrong to me, but that's not the real reason. But the Canadian Parliament, it actually, there is a difference, a big difference, but they're both wonderful. But the Canadian Parliament has officially declared Thanksgiving Day as a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. We are a blessed nation, and many times we realize this nation is not perfect. I am a first-generation Canadian. My parents were born in Paraguay, South America. Their parents were born in Russia, and and they escaped from Russia, ended up being uh, refugees that were allowed to settle in Paraguay, where they did, and many of my relatives are still there. Some are in Germany, some are in Russia, so we're really mixed up. But my first language was German, and that's what we spoke at home. If any of you have Mennonite brethren roots, you might recognize why I am as mixed up as I am. But I'm very grateful for my heritage. But I was always taught to a great and, and given a great love for this nation because my parents feel like it truly did give them so much opportunity. And while it isn't perfect, we are called to pray for our leaders. We are called to pray for the future of Canada. I truly believe that we're going to see the greatest days ahead. These are beautiful days for Canada, but it's going to take all of us rising up and standing, um, truly standing guard with a heart of, of faith and passion and a declaration of what God says about Canada, 
not what the government or not just the government, not what people say about it. There's no end of opinion. But what does God say about this nation and the plan for this nation? So today I am thankful. I'm not preaching on government. I'm actually just thought I would tell you what it actually means. So a grateful heart will always overflow into a generous heart. They go hand in hand. Gratitude precedes generosity. It comes from a heart of gratitude and a heart that has been touched by Almighty God. If your heart, and I've I've witnessed it here already several times today, just as we gathered in prayer earlier and as we have, have gathered in worship, just this sense of where we've been even moved to tears because there is this heart of overwhelming gratitude for the goodness of God. John knows that when I pass away, if I pass away before, well, I've told people, that song, Goodness of God, sing it at my service. Do not have my body in the building, but sing that song because that's not cool. I just don't want to show up at, at my funeral. I told him I'll come back and kill you if you do that. So uh, um, anyhow, but I love that song so much, the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. And with everything that I'm able, I will sing of the goodness of God. He is good. Gratitude precedes generosity. And I want to speak into generosity today. And I'm going to end with this thought, is that you are generous if you have been touched by the heart of God. You know, often we think generosity, just some people are generous and some people aren't that generous. We think about even some nationalities. Oh, they're stingy. Oh, they're generous. Let's just say the kingdom of God is filled with a, with, with a bounty of generous people. And if you struggle with generosity, change your declaration over yourself and open your heart wide and say, I am generous because I am a child of God. The greatest, greatest generosity we will ever know is the generosity of a savior who left the riches of glory to come here to earth to give his life. The most generous gift we will ever receive is the the gift of eternal life because of a savior who came and died for us. So we are born again by, through Jesus and if we're, his character has touched our heart, his nature has touched our heart. We have the nature of God living on the inside of us. Stop saying, I'm not generous. And start acting in a way that, it, that aligns to the character of who God is. Let me read to you several scriptures, starting with Proverbs 11 and verse 25. It says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That's what happens when you live out of a spirit of generosity. Here's one of my favorite Psalms in the Bible. I'm reading from the message translation in Psalm 112. Hallelujah, blessed man, blessed woman who fear God, who cherish and relish his commandments. Their children robust on the earth and the homes of the upright. How blessed their houses brim with wealth and a generosity that never runs dry. Sunrise breaks through the darkness for good people. God's grace and mercy and justice. A good person is generous and lends lavishly. No shuffling or stumbling around for this one, but a sterling and solid and lasting reputation, unfazed by rumor and gossip, heart ready, trusting in God. Spirit firm, unperturbed. You should pray this over yourself every single day. 
Ever blessed, relaxed among enemies, they lavish gifts on the poor, a generosity that goes on and on and on. I love this crowning statement, an honored life, a beautiful life. And I believe an honored life is the byproduct of a generous life. A person who lives with their heart open and a generosity. And I'm not just talking finances here. Obviously, that's a part of it. But many times we relegate generosity to how easily we open our wallet. And I do believe it's an indicator. But how generous are you with your gifting? How generous are you with your smile? How generous are you with your words? How generous are you with your time? And I believe this is an area that we all grow on, can grow in, that generosity is multiplied in your life. <clears throat> and as I said, the most lavish generosity we will ever know is the lavish love of Jesus. And so that generosity, that bounty flows to the inside of us because we were recreated by his spirit. And generosity is a byproduct of a relationship with Jesus. But here is a very sobering truth, very sobering to me, that the generosity of your life must be spent while here on earth. Has to be spent while here on earth. Just last week, I attended three funerals. It's the most I've ever attended in one week. It was, it was heavy. It was big. Just two years ago, two of the closest people in my life very suddenly were gone. <clears throat> one was 71 and one was 16. And you can tell, sorry, it's me. I'll just take a sip. All of you do that too, Okay. Gone very, very suddenly. And I look at all of the lives of the people that we said goodbye to. Every one of them, one of their signatures over their lives would have been generosity. And I think of the one who was 71. She was my closest friend in the world. And very suddenly she was gone. But I don't know of a more generous or bigger hearted person. The other one was a beautiful young 16 year old boy who was killed in an instant in a horrible car wreck. But I just think of his life. It's his birthday tomorrow. He would have been um, 19 tomorrow. And he lived with such a generous spirit, the biggest beautiful life. And I thought both of them spent their life well. And whether we live to be 107 or to be 16 or 71, we don't know. God knows. And so there is a timeline. We all have a timeline of of how many days we have on earth. I don't know how many I have, but I don't want to waste one not being generous with my life. I don't want to waste one day that I don't live out of a bounty of gratitude for the wonder of what God has done for me. I want to live with the tap of my life open that whatever is needed, God, you can use me. Whatever I have, God, is just because what you've given me, and I want to spend it well here. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 says, Some people store up treasures in their homes here on earth. This is a short-sighted practice. Don't undertake it. Moths and rust will eat up any treasure you may store here. Thieves may break into your home and steal your precious trinkets. Instead, put up your treasures in heaven 
where moths do not attack and where rust does not corrode and where thieves are barred at the door. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So sobering, so true. And so here we are on earth working with a timeline and there is an end in sight for all of us. And that's actually good to remember. One of the scriptures that frames my life is often, I didn't put it in, but it's it's found in Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us, help us to understand the brevity of our days so that we will live with a heart of wisdom. I don't want to waste time. And I realize that I'm I'm past the halfway mark unless, you know, I mean, a miracle can happen. But I'm guessing that, you know, I don't have many, many decades left, but I do want to live everyone with such intention and, and if it were just waste it all on the purposes of the kingdom, not wasteful in a way, but it poured out the lavish perfume that people called wasteful when she poured it on Jesus's feet, considered wasteful. That was not wasteful. That was very intentional because it was spent on Jesus. And so I've got a few thoughts here, and I want to go through these quickly, but they're just simply thoughts that would help you kind of, if, if you have notes, I would encourage you, or uh, just make notes in your phone or write it down and ask yourself a question. I think it's good sometimes to do a bit of a checklist. How am I doing in that way? How am I going with that? Number one, a generous spirit is born out of revelation, which is having a respect for the purposes of God. Jesus did not coerce his disciples to follow him. He gave an invitation, they dropped their nets, and they followed Jesus. 37 years ago, John was a dentist. 30, yeah, he was still a dentist. He went to University of British Columbia. We had, you know, three little girls and a very happy, full, incredible life. And God gave us an invitation, and he spoke to John and I both independently. It was not what we expected to hear. But he said, hang up your drills, as it were, leave dentistry, and plant a church. It made no sense in the natural, other than our hearts wanted to follow what Jesus asked us to do. What happened? He gave us a revelation. We did not understand what was all on the other side of our yes. But when God gives you an invitation to a great adventure... Say yes, because that's what will, you will, you won't know everything when he's inviting you, but by revelation, there is an invitation to follow him often into the great unknown. We had no idea what would be on the other side of a simple yes. Yes, there've been a lot of heartache. There's been a lot of really challenging days. Are we, did we ever regret for one day that we planted the church? Not once. And that was 37 and a half years ago. And two years ago, we handed on the reins to our daughter, Angela, and she and her husband are leading the church beautifully today. But when we said yes to that, it wasn't, it was born out of revelation. It was like, come follow me. And so it looks really impractical. You go from a very secure income, you go from a very secure life, nice cars and nice house, you have it all to, we don't know what's going to happen on the other side of this, except God invited us. It was out of revelation. And when revelation hits you, I want to encourage you, 
it may not make perfect sense. Was there a lot of um, headwind? Was there a lot of challenge? Absolutely. But we can look at the fruit of that one decision today and all glory be to God. It sure isn't John and I because we can't do that. But what God has done is quite astounding and quite miraculous. Number two, a generous spirit operates from a position of strength. Whenever we initiate anything for the purposes of blessing someone else, you are already in a position of strength. And you are strong, church, and you have more than you think you have. I know these are tough times economically. The houses, prices, that the price of housing or food or anything. These are challenging days. But can I tell you, God is in these days. He didn't just go away, move away and just say, well, figure it out, folks. No, he is with us. As my beautiful friend, Linda, who uh, is in heaven now said, she said, you know what? If a loaf of bread goes up to $100 a loaf, God's going to provide. And she said that many years ago. I've never forgotten that. You're right. God is able. He will provide. And you are in a position of strength. And you have more than you think you have. And here's the thing. You will just choose. You will make a choice whether you operate out of a position of strength or a position of weakness. The widow who had just two mites, just a couple of pennies, was she in a position of weakness or strength? She was in a position of strength. She didn't hold on to what she had. She invested it into the purposes of of the kingdom. And Jesus told his disciples, come, come look at this woman. She has given all she has. And here we are, millennia later, still talking about her. She got the attention of God. And she was in a position of strength. Weakness would have said, I can't let go of this because if I let go of this, I'm going to starve. The Bible is filled with stories of people who let go and God met them in the most miraculous ways. What about the little boy? 5,000 men who need to be fed and the families. And what have we got? Should we go buy food? We don't have enough money to pay for what it's going to cost to feed all these people. But there was a young boy who gave up his lunch that day. His mom might have made him. I'm not sure about it. However, he gave up his lunch that day, a few fish and a few loaves of bread, and it fed thousands and thousands of people. That little boy was not in a position of weakness. He was in a position of strength because what he had, he trusted God with. And God is able to supply. Don't look at what you have in your hand. Look at what God has in his heart. And then give up readily to know that you are stronger than you think you are. Conversely, in Luke chapter 8, we learn the story of the rich young ruler who wanted to follow Jesus. He said, what must I do? And he said, what must I do in in Luke 18 to follow you? He had been doing everything right is what the Bible says. And Jesus said, there's still one thing you're missing in your life. You must go and sell everything you own and give all the proceeds to the poor so that you will have eternal treasures. Then come follow me. What an invitation. But we know the story. Then the rich, when the rich young ruler, when the rich leader heard these words, he was devastated. For he was extremely wealthy. Here we have a little boy with a few loaves and fishes. We have the poor widow. And then we have a rich young ruler. Two of them operated out of a position of strength. And one operated out of weakness. And missed the greatest invitation 
that he could ever receive. Number three, a generous spirit operates out of conviction and commitment, not convenience. We live in a convenience-obsessed culture. If it works for me, I'll do it. Can I just invite you on behalf of Jesus, on behalf of building his church? Never choose convenience. It's going to hurt you. Let your conviction stand. Like building God's church to me is a conviction. Building a healthy marriage is a conviction. And wow, there were times that I thought, this is not fun right now. I could easily just say, that's it, I'm done. As a matter of fact, after four years of marriage, I thought we were finished. I could not imagine continuing on. And it wasn't because of abuse or infidelity or anything like that. But I I just didn't have it. I didn't even like John anymore. And here I was with a very pregnant belly with our third daughter, two little girls, three years old and two years old. And I had an encounter with God in that moment, a broken-hearted young woman, 22 years old. I had loved Jesus and, and had been a strong follower of Jesus. And now I was pretty backslidden, pretty heartbroken and discouraged. And I wanted to bail. But I knew that I had a choice. And that day I said, Jesus, I've had life with you and I've had life without you. And I'm not going to live one more day without you. And that day was the most marked day of my life. Because in that moment, God met me. Nothing in the in the natural had changed. But that day, conviction rose up in my heart. And I said, I'm going to follow you. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve God. I did not know if John would take one step forward with me. Not, an, an, not a clue. But I was going to follow Jesus. And today, the story looks very different than my, I was a very broken girl 45 years ago. But God, it had to be conviction that rose up on the inside of me. It had to be commitment, not convenience. And we see this so often. People bail when it gets hard. Oh, church feels hard now. I don't think I'll show up. Oh, look how nice the weather is. All of you guys, I'm preaching to the choir. You're all here today. But you will have days that you're like, oh, I don't feel like it. And yeah, I'm serving, but oh, I don't feel like it. You just got to get up and let conviction Um, not convenience, be the loudest voice in your heart. That's what generosity does. A generous spirit comes from a sensitive heart. When we are sensitive to the needs of others, our hearts will respond. You know, like the, the Good Samaritan that day. Two very religious people had walked right by the man on the side of the road. But someone crossed over to the other side of the road, had a sensitivity to the things of God, and crossed over and took care of a need. And sometimes we think, what is it I should do? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What should I do? How should I serve? Um, what does God want from me? And I'm just going to encourage this, this thought to you. Have you ever thought, look at that. Someone should do something about that. Look at that. Why isn't anybody doing anything about that? I'm going to suggest maybe the need is your call. You see it? Watch what God will do. And sometimes, well, I can't take care of anything, everything. Take care of something. So many things I've just put my hand up for. I had no idea 
how God was going to fill in that need. And I could tell you so many stories of, I just said, okay, I'm, I'm going to put my hand up for that. I have no idea. I have no money in the bank. I have no idea how this is going to happen, but just a simple yes will attract the blessing and the favor of God and other people to join you. But you need to have a sensitive heart. So often we turn the other way, like those two priests that were walking to church probably that day. Don't do that. Turn towards the need, not away from the need. That comes from a sensitive heart. Number five, a generous spirit will always initiate the provision. Generosity chooses to invest time in our talent and our treasure for the purposes of the kingdom. kingdom. They choose to initiate their giving. They freely open up. I call it the cupboard of their life. Can I just give you this little example? Think about this. I've, thought, I've taught this before, but I think about it often. Is that God has stocked the cupboard of your heart. He stocked the cupboard of your life. We, you don't have everything, but you have something. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. We're not all eyes. We're not all hands. We all supply to the whole. And when we all come together, a miracle can happen. Now, I love a good chocolate cake. That might not be your favorite, but hey, a chocolate cake is pretty great, I think. But chocolate cake, all the ingredients that stand alone on their own are not fantastic. If you open up your cupboard and you've got the cocoa, another person opens up their cupboard and they've got butter. Another one opens their cupboard and they have flour or baking powder or sugar or eggs, whatever. All of them standing on their own are not so fabulous. But when you all open up your cupboard and bring to the table what you have, something pretty amazing is about to happen. God has stocked the cupboard of your life. And so a generous spirit will always initiate provision. Don't just keep your cupboard closed and go, well, I don't have everything. Take a look and say, what do you have? And offer it for the purposes of the kingdom. A generous heart initiates provision. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13 says, Dear, dear Corinthians. You know you're in trouble when they say it twi- when it said twice. Dear, dear. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live open and expansively. Number six, a generous spirit is motivated by honor. One of my favorite words, honor. Honor God. And it always encourages us in the word of God to honor him with, the, with your substance and the first fruits of your increase. What is that saying? Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 teaches us that. To give God your best, not your leftovers. That's why I believe, I, I'm a firm believer in tithing. And I know when my children are tithing or my grandchildren are tithing, I just know God's going to provide. God's going to protect them. Why? Because when you give God your first and your best... He will bless the rest. We operate out of a different, it's just different. I feel like when when we come under that blessing of God, I just trust him with the rest. So giving tithes and offerings, for me, it's just a no-brainer. It's how I want to live. And it's not because I'm so special. I just know how how good God is. And so I want to give him my first and my best. And I think when we don't 
give him our first and our best and we offer our leftovers. So often we don't have anything left over. If you want to give your marriage your leftover time, we don't have time to date. We're so busy. You're going to pay the price. John and I, the date night, it was the 11th commandment in our household. Keep, thou shalt keep the date night holy. So here we are almost 50 years in. I told you we had a rough start. But next year we'll celebrate 50 years. And that is a sign and a wonder. But the real wonder is not that we're married, but we really like each other. And we love each other. And that is not an accident. It's because we gave each other the best. We, we prioritized our relationship. We prioritized our family. We prioritized the house of God. We gave our best, not our leftovers. Because when we give leftovers, we, ha- we really find we don't have enough. It's not sustainable. But when you sow first, it's like in the morning. I'm not telling you how to do your devotions. I just know how mine work for me. I know if I have a big day ahead, I get up earlier. I do not want to give up my time with God in the morning. And everyone's different. I'm useless at night. I I mean, I talk to him at night, but it's way shorter than it is in the morning. And so that works for me. But I just know how to, I, I, it's just such a value in my heart for these many years that I give him my first because I'm my best in the morning. Others are the best at night. I'm not, you don't even, I'm, I don't work at night. So I do in the morning and I work great. And then I go to bed early so I can get up the next day and do that. But give him your best. Honor him with the first fruits. Number seven, agenda has no hidden agenda. We do not give so we can get. Not the motive. We never do it for that reason. We do it to be a blessing. It's a principle that when we give, we'll receive. But our motive must be to please the heart of God and to honor people. That is our motive. I don't want to hear John just say, I love you, when I do something for him or if there's a benefit attached to it. I want him to say he loves me just because he loves me. That it's the heart that's connected to it. And I think sometimes we feel like, well, if I give this to God, then we we feel like we can kind of manipulate the hand of God. There is no need to. God will bless you. But the motive always has to be pure without a hidden agenda. People who are hoping to get recognition, applause, or rewards, it's not sincere generosity. Generosity gives when there's no strings attached. You just give because you love God. And number eight, a generous spirit will always arise in a time of crisis and need. I said it earlier, and we all know this the best, that Jesus went to the cross in a time of great crisis, in a time of great need. We could not save ourselves. So Jesus left the splendor of heaven, humbled himself to be born of a virgin, to come into this world and live here on earth as he was all God, but he also lived as a man and then went to the most humiliating, treacherous, tormenting death. Why? Because he saw you and I on the other side of that decision. There was a crisis and there was a need. And today, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3 speaks of the harvest is great, but the workers are so few. 
pray to the Lord who is in the in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers for his field. Can I just encourage you with this though, church? <laughs> if you're praying for people to go out into the harvest as ministers, would you just say, here I am, Lord, send me. When you go out today, wherever life will take you, you are on a mission field. It's not just when we go to another country, your mission field is all around you. And being aware of that, ask God, use me. You might meet someone today that has, is in crisis or has a need, and you say, well, God, you brought this to my attention. What would you have me do? Because that's what generosity does. It rises in that time. And number nine, a generous spirit will always get God's attention and attract the favor of God. You will never outgive God. You can't. You just can't. He is so lavish. He is so generous. And he is the one who will send blessings your way. I feel like I live the most blessed life. Is it perfect? Oh, no. Is everything exactly as I hoped it would be right now? No. Am I blessed beyond my wildest dreams? I'm holding on to God. And we will continue to walk through. We sang about it today. We'll walk through fires. We will walk through challenges. But our God is faithful and he is there with us in the midst of it. And so in the midst of a not perfect world, in the midst of not everything is right in my world or in anyone's world, but I'm holding on to Jesus and I am trusting him that he will bring the provision that is necessary right in this moment. Luke chapter 6 and 38 says, give away your life. Then you'll find life given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. And I started here and I'll just say it one more time. The 10th point. As a follower of Jesus, you have been created with a generous spirit. And so now the question remains, is your tap wide open or have you shut it down a bit? I want to encourage you to just crank it open. It is the wildest, most exciting way to live, to live with a generous spirit. And it's a generosity that is not born out of just your goodness. It's his goodness. It's not born out of, aren't I a nice person? No, he is the loving God. But you know what? He's chosen to flow through us to touch a broken world. We are his vehicle of love into this world. And to quote my husband, he always says, love that doesn't cost you. It's just a feeling. Love costs. It costs Jesus everything. And he has invested everything into us. And now he's asked us to be conduits and carriers of that generous heart and blessing. I pray that we as, as the church, and certainly you as the church, all of us, would be known. By this will all men know that you're my disciples, Jesus said. By the way you love one another. And that love that isn't demonstrated, that isn't revealed, 
can't have expression and have impact the way God's called us to. So I want to encourage you on this wonderful Thanksgiving Sunday that your hearts would just be open to God in ways that you want. I would encourage you to live daring. All right, God, here I go. Never done this before, but I'm going to live wild and generous for you. And you will be amazed at what God will do through your one life. I'm going to pray for you. And then Pastor Bish is going to close the service. So, Father, we come with just such gratitude. You see every single heart here. You know every life. And God, I pray that you would touch every heart, that there would just be a, just that sense of a nudge from your spirit. Live with your life wide open. Live with a, an expansive generosity. Experience the fullness and the wonder of what life with you looks like. Just like your word says, the life of the generous grows larger and larger. And so, God, I pray that one year from now, we'll look back on this day and realize how much our life has grown because we have followed you and we have lived obedient to your invitations to follow you, to live with expansive love and generosity in Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.